Welcome everybody to the New Adult Committee's podcast. My name is Alex Cranshaw. I am a librarian at Sayville Library. My name is Morgan Brett and I'm also a librarian at Sayville Library. And my name is Andrew Mahopoulos. I am a librarian at the Sachin Public Library. And today's episode, we're going to be meeting with a few choice members of the Suffolk County community. Uh, we're going to be talking about business resources, career resources, and how to help uh, new adult patrons get jobs, um, how to start a career, switch careers, all these, all these sorts of topics we're going to be covering today. So we are joined today by Sal DiVincenzo from the Miller Business Center. Thank you for joining us, Sal. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're also joined by Michelle. Uh, I'm sorry, is it Kaya? Yes, uh, Michelle Kaya. Kaya. Okay, got it. Uh, Michelle is a librarian at the Patchogue Medford Library. Thank you for joining us. And we also have Stephen King from the Patchogue Young Professionals Organization. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Again, this committee, we talk about, we talk about helping patrons in their 20s and 30s, trying to connect resources that the library can offer or resources the library can refer people to. And again, today we're going to be talking about, you know, career resources, everything to do with, uh, with helping people in their 20s and 30s try to find work. And I think we should start it off by just introducing, you know, what all of our guests here, uh, what the organizations you're involved with, what you do, maybe how you got started in it. Um, Sal, do you want to start introducing uh, the Miller Business Center? Sure. Again, I'm Sal DiVincenzo from the Miller Business Center at the Middle Country Public Library. We are a regional business reference service center providing small business owners with access to a collection of uh, business databases, one-on-one -on -one reference services, pretty much anything to support local small business owners. We've focused a lot of our attention on the budding entrepreneur. So a lot of what we do is to support those folks. Uh, additionally, we offer a career and college counseling to, uh, to residents of Suffolk County. Folks can come down to the center to access job uh, databases as well as gain access to our career counseling and college counseling team that we have here. We have a permanent uh, team of three counselors on staff and we uh, open that to the public so folks can come down. Um, we are doing a virtual and if it is, if the patron is comfortable, we are doing a socially distant one-on-one uh, -on -one appointment where we separate the counselor from the patron, uh, we have a setup where um, they're across a large table. There's a piece of plexiglass in between them. We wear masks. Um, so a lot of, you know, a lot of cases it can be done virtually, but most of the time, um, you know, that works. But we've noticed that there are some patrons who feel more comfortable speaking in person. And if they're comfortable coming down, we offer that. So, yeah, so that's what we do here at the Miller Center. And again, we're inside the Middle Country Public Library. That's great. Thank you. Are, are you open for walk-in appointments or do they call ahead to make an appointment? Yes. So to make, yeah, to, to make an appointment, they can call ahead. They, we do ask that they have a library card with their local library. You know, the majority of our 
demographic is Suffolk County, but we will help a Nassau County uh, library card holder. They just can either uh, come down in person just for that initial uh, registering their library card with us, and then they can make an appointment. And it's not just one appointment. You know, if they have to follow up, they can have multiple appointments. Um, and we offer it pretty much Monday through Saturday. That's great. Thank you very much. Uh, Stephen, what about you? What are the uh, the young, Patchogue Young Professionals? What, how do you, what is your organization involved with? Uh, the Patchogue Young Professionals, we do an array of different things. Um, essentially, we focus on connecting young professionals in Patchogue with each other and kind of being the voice for young professionals in Patchogue. Uh, we're a subcommittee of the Chamber of Commerce. The Patchogue Chamber of Commerce is, I believe, the most active Chamber of Commerce on Long Island. And we do uh, a, a ton of different events, some events to raise money for the Chamber of Commerce. We did, um, uh, during COVID, we did a drive-in movie theater which ended up raising $7,000 for the Chamber of Commerce. Um, we've done multiple fundraisers for nonprofit non organizations uh, in the past to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars. And we also do uh, work with the local Patchogue Medford High School, which for me ends up being the most rewarding. We get to uh, go into these schools, meet with these students. We just did the... Uh, our annual Shark Tank business program. So basically the students draft up mock businesses and pitch it to us, the sharks. And we just we're, we just figured out the winners for it the other day. And the first place prize is $1,000 to the winning team, second place 500, third place 250. And, uh, and lastly, something the Patrick Young Professionals are putting together is a program called Apex Primary. Um, Apex Primary is going to be an after-school program for students, high school students, mostly upperclassmen. It's going to be free. Uh, we'll be meeting every Monday night from 6 to 9 for 12 weeks. And what the program is designed to do is teach students how to go to college debt-free. Also, every single student who finishes the 12-week program will have a higher net worth at, um, at the end than when they started. And lastly, the program's top four performers will receive um, summer internships. So we're really excited about that upcoming program, but we do a lot. Yeah, it sounds like it. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, last but not least, Michelle, what is the Patchog Medford Library up to these days? So um, my job at the Patchog Medford Library is um, I'm our community relations manager. Um, so I manage our social media. Um, I write press releases about the library, trying to really get the word out about some um, different ways and innovative services that we are providing right now. Um, like lots of libraries, we have um, shifted our model to doing grab and go kits. Um, we have also found that um, Offering some of our more educational programs virtually has been a great success. Um, I had more kids than ever tune into our virtual SAT classes. We've had great numbers for things that involve um, finance and learning about skills like that, because I think as we all know, sometimes it's hard for people to come in person at like seven o'clock at night to come to a class or something, but maybe they would be interested in hearing something from their home um, while they're cooking dinner or something like that. So we've been doing our best to um, really still provide people with the services 
that they need and trying to reach out and make connections on social media, engage with people, find out um, what's going on in their needs. And um, through my experience at the library, I was able to become a part of the Patrick Young Professionals. And I already had such a great relationship with the Patrick Medford High School. And this has really enhanced it because as the um, organization, we are able to have the Shark Tank competition where we can offer the students a $1,000 prize. As we all know in library world, we don't have that ability to give $1,000 um, to students. Or So it's been a nice way to bring awareness about the library to those students. And just to give you, um, Stephen gave a great uh, background, but the um, mission that we have at the Patrick Young Professionals, as he mentioned, that we're part of the greater Patchogue Chamber of Commerce. And uh, Stephen was really the brainchild behind this. And it was established really to encourage, support, and develop um, a space for like minded professionals and entrepreneurs to come and meet together. You know, pre COVID world, we would do happy hours where people could come, share their business cards. And a big thing that we promote is um, expanding your network. And we all know now in this day and age, it's a lot of who you know and making connections. And a lot of people we found in our age group really wanted to share their business cards, talk about what they're doing, um, being able to call upon someone that you know and have a connection with. So we wanted to create a space for that. And uh, we tried to always have creative content and influence. And um, we just wanted to continue to advancing and impact Patch Dog in the best way we could. And we found that people from all over the island were coming to some of our networking events. So we are looking forward to continuing to do that. But a relationship with these new adults coming out of high school, I think is where we're making the most impact right now because, you know, these students now are leaning on us for resources. This program Stephen put together, the Apex Academy, I think is a wonderful opportunity for students to learn how to go to college debt-free, to know that maybe they don't need to jump into something right away. Um, it's part of um, teaching them finance and also how to run an event and do a lot of stuff in that realm. That sounds great. Those are skills that, you know, you're not really taught in high school. I know I would have greatly benefited from something like that when I was looking at colleges. So that sounds great. Is there uh, like an age cap, you know, so like your networking events, say if somebody came and, you know, had a bakery and they were in their 40s, would you say, you know, I'm sorry, you're out of the young realm. Would you turn them away or? No, our biggest thing is uh, age is a mindset. So I think our oldest member, what are they, 70, Stephen, um, the awesome ladies at the colony shop in Patchogue. So we have had, um, people of all ages and you know we definitely don't turn uh, anyone away absolutely yeah i'd like to add to that i actually just met with i don't know if you remember michelle tom quinn yes tom quinn i was just with him three days ago and he ended up listing his father-in-law's house through me and tom quinn is mid-70s and he's as young as anybody i know mentally that's our whole mindset which is age is just a number it's it's a mindset in, in regards to the high school students, um, I'm so glad to hear that um, you're having great success with your, your online programs. I know it's been difficult for a lot of libraries. I know I've had 
some difficulty too getting teens and young adults to do online programming during the pandemic because of you know they're on their computers all day for school or they've been in zoom meetings all week for work and they you know zoom fatigue is I, I see it all the time it's definitely a thing so i'm glad to hear that you're able to make some connections and get people still engaging online i will say that we um when we did the shark tank competition this past tuesday we were there in person which was i think the greatest benefit of being able to do the program that way. Um, like many libraries, we don't get a lot of engagement in our recreational sort of stuff, but for the educational stuff, um, it's been a great success. Um, Steven and I tried to come twice in person for career day um, uh, this past, I think it was January, and they kept having to put us off because of school closings, as we all know. So that we had to do over Zoom, and we found that it was a lot more difficult to do the connection. But luckily for the Shark Tank competition on Tuesday, we were able to be in person. So the students could physically present in front of us as the sharks. And I could see that that was just a much better opportunity. I know that it was, it's not usually how we can operate right now in this day and age, but I will say, I think that's what made the program so successful and exciting for the students that they able to physically walk in. A lot of them dressed for the part. They had props and websites and things that they were able to physically show us. And they haven't been able really to have that opportunity to be in front of adults other than maybe their parents and teachers in some way. Have you noticed any changes? I mean, I, I'm not sure how long you've been involved with the young professionals. I'll open this up to all of our guests. Have you noticed a trend kind of rethinking the college uh, career path with student debt being what it is? You, you've been mentioning a lot of entrepreneurial programs. So have you been noticing a trend more for, for young adults heading more in, towards, in that direction? I'll say I have definitely. When we first started going into the high schools and we were talking, you know, three years ago plus, and we were talking to these students about their upcoming intentions and their plans, I was blown away by how bright and brilliant some of these students really are and how down to earth and how aware they are. And plenty of them said, you know what? We actually are deciding to go to Suffolk for two years. We'll get our intro there and then we'll go off and go to a, uh, a, a, a better finishing school but still keeping aware of the debt crisis. And um, that, so I've definitely noticed that, that has impressed me. And as somebody who, I was supposed to go to NYU Polytech for mechanical engineering out of high school. And uh, that would have ended up costing me a quarter of a million dollars in student loan debt. I decided not to go and I couldn't get into it because I couldn't qualify for a loan, thankfully. And after a year of looking into it, I was like, what a massive mistake that would have been. And thankfully, I, I believe the younger generations are waking up. They're more aware. This is being spoken about more. And I think it's going to save them a lot of time and open up a lot more doors for them and create more opportunity. You know, it's tough all of us can probably attest to the fact that you don't know who you are at 18 years old. And by the time you're 25, you're going to change who you are. You'll change your mind. You'll want different things in life. And same goes for when you're 30. You're not going to be the same person at 30 as you were 
when you were 22 or 18. And when you're carrying around massive student loan debts, your opportunity to pivot into things that might catch your attention severely shrinks. It's like a noose. So um, kids going to school without college debt is a big focus for, for me and I know Michelle right now. Yeah, I have to say, as someone that did do that, I like went away first semester, came back, did the two years at Suffolk, and then continued on. I really don't have any student loan debt when a lot of my friends are drowning in it. And it's probably the best decision I ever made because I switched my major like three times. So Yeah, and you know what? Nobody was teaching nobody was teaching me for sure when I was in high school, hey, maybe going to that big prestigious overpriced school doesn't pay to do that. Nobody was talking about it, but we believe people are now, which is great for the future. I think too, an interesting thing that's come up, you know, because of COVID, the question of finances has come into play. And like, it's like, why go to a school if I'm going to pay the same amount just to be remote? So I think people are kind of considering all options and kind of rethinking the plan, uh, which is a new, definitely a new thing I'm noticing. Yeah, like I was told um, to apply to Suffolk as like just a kind of you always have it no matter what. But honestly, like I have more professional relationships with like professors from there and friends that went on to do other things than I do from any other college that I went to after that. And, and we're in the information age. You know, it's like we all carry in our pocket an endless library. And I believe kids are seeing more value in that. I mean, I don't know if you guys are, but I, I, I pay attention to TikTok and some of the uh, content these young people are putting out. And they're, they're brilliant. They're hilarious. They know more about technology. They'll forget more about technology than I'll ever know. And the world is their oyster because of it. They can start from zero and go to a thousand with just for free with, uh, with all the exposure and information there is out there. Steven, tell them about Josh Block, World of T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, we we uh we got we got to meet a famous kid actually. Josh Block, he started, he participated in Shark Tank three years ago. And he's got um he's a remarkable just go get it attitude. He's a, he might have a slight learning disability, but this kid is just no excuses. When he wants to do something, he doesn't think of why he can't, he just says, oh, I'm going to do it. And as a result, he now has a million followers on TikTok and 45 million likes on TikTok. And when he was in ninth grade, he started this world of t-shirts company, um, which just, the guy just puts designs on t-shirts and, and you can buy them. And his overhead is zero because he outsources all of it. And, uh, it's just, it's remarkable. I follow him on TikTok. We got to see him uh, this past week, which was incredible. So Josh Block, World of T-Shirts. He's a PatMed student now graduating this year. Yeah, it's been an interesting shift to see because we could see the students are, you know, thinking about different avenues that they might not need to make these, you know, financial decisions immediately. Like, as we all said, student loan can really stifle you and pigeonhole you now into maybe doing something that you weren't sure you wanted to do because now you have this degree, you have to get a job and you are kind of forced in that. Um, similar to you, Morgan, I kind of had that hustle mentality. I uh, waitressed and bartended my way 
throughout college, I was able to graduate with my bachelor's and my master's degree with no student loans. And I talk a lot about that with the kids that I work with and, you know, kind of making those decisions, I decided to go to Stony Brook University and Queens College, um, both um, SUNY schools, because I was, you know, weighing like, do I want to go away to school? What's more important to me? What's my priority? Do I want to set myself up at the end of this experience to then, you know, not feel as pigeonholed? Luckily, I love my job as a librarian, but um, I wasn't even sure when I first started that. Like, I came from a very different world into the library world. And lucky for me, the library world has really shifted. And there's a space for people like me that are a little bit more, as we say, out there and, you know, wanting to. And now the library world knows we have to keep up with the changing tides, like getting out there in the community, reaching out to different people, the young professionals, this high school other community organizations and groups. Like I don't think at the library a few years ago, you would have a staff member that wrote press releases and reached out to press and stuff like that. So it's been a nice opportunity for my skills to be molded into the career that I'm in. And that's what I really like to talk to the students about as well. Like if you have a passion or something else and it's knowing your skills and being unafraid. And I'll, I, we've seen a lot of these kids really are able to go for it. It's this kid, Josh Block is an example. Like he went for it and he had a skill and it's been a nice kind of shift um, for the kids that they are maybe thinking about school and debt and things a little bit differently. Michelle's another great example, just to add. Michelle, you, you thought you wanted to be a teacher out of high school, right? And that's initially what you went for. And thankfully, you did it debt-free because there are tens of thousands of students who take on $40,000, $60,000 of debt to become a teacher, become a teacher, and then decide, holy crap, I never want to do this. This is the wrong career path. And now they can't pivot like we were talking about, but you're, you're the shining example of it. And fortunately you were able to take your route. Yeah. I, uh, right out of college, I had a degree in, um, philosophy and sociology. I had my bachelor's in that. And then like, Oh, what do you do? <laughs> do I be a philosopher? Like, so I thought I maybe wanted to be a teacher. It was maybe an easy thing, but I felt pressured to continue on with school. So I signed up for a semester at CW Post, and that's a private school. I wound up paying in cash for a semester of classes, and I could just tell right away the school environment probably wasn't a, stru a structure that was for me. I didn't like, you know, some of the rules and things that I believe in our education system, but I didn't think it was my place. So I took a semester off. I just banked some more money, waitressing and bartending, because it was important for me to make up that $5,000 loss that I took and shift my mindset and try something different. And that's when I pursued my degree, um, starting getting my master's in library science. But that's kind of what we want to instill in students too. Like it's okay to not be sure and to pivot and to change. Like it's impossible to know at 18 what you want to do at 35. I'm at 35, I don't know if this is what I'm going to be doing forever, but having that freedom to not be stifled by the amount of debt is just a blessing that we want these students to be aware that you can do that. It's okay to not be sure and to change paths and to try something different. 
And I feel like that's an important message too, to like, uh, that it's okay to fail or it's okay to change. You don't have to succeed the first time or you can pivot to be able to have that flexibility. Like same thing. I wanted to get into editing and it didn't work out. I tried for like a year and I was like, all right. And then, uh, I'm very artistic too. I didn't go to art school. Like I wasn't formally trained, but I have, I painted, um, like murals in like Island Empanada. Uh, I did the murals in his business. So, you know, like it's just putting yourself out there and learning, you know, it like just put yourself out there if you're interested in it and you never know, you could end up with a million followers on TikTok. <laughs> um, but speaking of, of career jumping is definitely a trend for, for people my age and in their 20s and 30s. The career path of previous generations where, you know, you'd stick with IBM and stay, stay with IBM for 40 years and retire and get your gold watch. You know, that's not really, you're not really seeing that very often anymore. So I'm wondering if, if Sal, maybe you've seen people in their 20s and 30s coming in and, and saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a career jump. You know, I'll open this up to, uh, to Stephen, obviously, and, and Michelle as well. If you see, come in for advice saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I've kind of reached a limit with where I can go with my career. I want to mix things up. What advice can you give them? Are there even resources you can share with people like that, that are uh, looking to just totally change things up? I would say the majority of the folks coming down for career counseling are changing their career with us. Um, It's not, you know, initial, I'm interested in this and I want to start this. this. These are folks who, uh, in fact, a lot of our patrons are those IBM gold watchers who were with companies and they got laid off. Um, I know that, you know, your committee focuses on the, the, the young folks, but yeah, that's happening. And they're coming in and they, they, they've been, they don't have that many computer skills and they don't have, they're not with, they're not hip, they're not with it, <laughs> with the whole jargon and the TikTok and the tweets and the, you know, interwebs and all that kind of stuff. So they come down and, and, and they, you know, they're looking to, to move to something different and our counselors are trying to help them with their skill set, either get into something new or help them find resources to learn a skill set, to learn something new. But even the young folks uh, come down and they, they're, they're doing the same thing too, because they they went through high school thinking they were going to head into one direction. And then what happens? A pandemic. So, so now everything is off the table. So, I mean, as far as resources, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy to say that we, again, are open to the public and we offer the strong in, interest inventory test for folks to come down. You can just make an appointment. What's great about that is that's all um, online now. So we can send the test electronically to a patron. They can do the test and then they can have a telephone conversation with the career counselor to talk about, okay, this is what you scored on the test. And for those listeners who might not know what the strong interest inventory test, it's a, I think it's 65 or 70 question test. It asks you based on your interests and your comfort level on dealing with this, dealing with that, what, you know, I'm interested in art, I'm interested in, in science. And we couple that with the Myers-Briggs, we put that all together, administer that, and then you get a nice report at the end. So, so you know, that is a great resource uh, for folks to take advantage of. And, and I, I 
recommend if you're if you're not certain because of things have changed and you're not certain what direction you want to you want to go in uh definitely take advantage of that yeah it's great that you're offering um you, you can have like a one-on-one -on -one interaction because so much of when you reach a point when you're looking for your career it's almost like it's almost like you need some therapy or somebody to coach you through this next step in your life as as much as you need you know actual tangible resources to get you to land that job it's you know, there's a balance there. I did a, uh, an online course a few weeks ago on, you know, online job searching resources. And one, one website that I was recommending was uh, ONET or My Next Move, which I think is part of the Department of Labor's, it's somehow involved with the Department of Labor. But anyways, they have a similar tests that you can take online and it'll give you recommendations matching your skill sets and your, experience, your work experience with possible career paths. And, you know, I was recommending it to people and I wasn't getting much feedback. And I think it's because people are skeptical of, you know, filling out forms online or just trusting like a random algorithm online to spit out, you know, this is what you should do next, where I think what you're, what you're offering at the Miller Business Center, yes, there's that tangible test that you can take, but you also have that one-on-one -on -one interaction where somebody can, you know, there's no better judgment of a person, I think, than, you know, actually seeing and speaking with somebody. So again, that one-on-one -on -one interaction make the the patron feel more comfortable accepting that advice and you know you just speaking with somebody about this this life change because it is it's different change in direction for your whole life path so i think that's a really important service to offer yeah absolutely and and my my counselors have been doing this for over 30 30 years one of 40 years so i mean they've seen it all <laughs> they've been in the in the trenches and they've seen it all so yeah having that that you know person i mean you said the word therapy we try not to uh, you know, market it like that because you don't want folks just coming in, you know, for that, uh, Venting. that, that, you know, to feel good about, about it. Uh, but it, yeah, in, in, in a way it is, it is definitely. I think with the sort of change being mentioned, like, do you notice, or do you have any, um, are there like skills that people should be doing now with like kind of you know, more tech skills or, you know, just with business changing so much and education changing so much, do you have any advice for, for people entering the workforce or just skills to brush up on? Yeah, well, I will tell you, we have lynda.com, which is a huge database of, of um, you know, online uh, video tutorials, classes. I mean, some of those are 10, 15 hours long. Uh, and, you know, it's free. For Miller Center members, and uh, you know, I didn't mention this before. Um, in addition to the career counseling, if you are a small business owner or if you're thinking of starting a business, all you need is your local library card. You know, we're librarians. We have to. We have to say you have to have a library card, okay? And don't tell us that you've never had a library card and you're like 30 years old because you're we're, we're going to be very judgmental. But uh, yeah, you sign up for a Miller. Business Center membership, and you gain access to Lynda.com. It's a huge, gigantic database, and uh, usually somewhat expensive. That you know we pay for, so you can so you can use it. And there's definitely, you know, from you know from the coding side of it, from and it, it's not just you know the technical either. There's a lot of creative on Lynda.com. Have, have you folks used Lynda.com before? I use lynda.com personally, um, save a library subscribes to it. And we, I can attest as a librarian, lynda.com is expensive. So take advantage of it. If your library offers it, or if you want now 
go to the Miller Business Center and take advantage of it. Lynda.com is fantastic. Um, I've used it for everything from learning coding to graphic design skills, or something as simple as, you know, you want to learn Microsoft Office because you have a job that says the requirements or you must be proficient in Microsoft Office. You can sit down, take a class in Microsoft Word and Excel. Um, they're all broken up into 15 minute videos, you know, but the, the whole course might take a few hours, but it's all broken up into nice little bite-sized chunks. It's, they're all taught, all the lessons are taught by people currently working in the field that they're teaching in. So you're not getting some stuffy professor who's never worked a day in his life teaching a class. You're getting somebody who's, you know, actually working currently in a field that you're interested in teaching you how to do exactly what they do. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of lynda.com. Yeah, and I think it, it goes back to the conversation that you were having before about, you know, I think it's just the natural evolution now that I think folks are going to move away from that traditional college educational model and move to this more, you know, high tech way of learning things by, you know, going to your local library and accessing lynda.com and learning how to code or learning how to, you know, write us uh, an app on an iPhone, you know, using Swift. Cause that's one of the, co I was looking at that the other day. Cause I was interested, you know what, I might learn a new skill. Um, and I think, I think frankly, the pandemic just accelerated what, what was already happening is that people are going to learn things differently now, far away from that traditional thing. And because of that, there isn't going to be that financial outlay. Uh, and think about it. So, so you take a lynda.com course and you, you spend 24 hours or 48 hours learning one thing. You're like, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to do this. This is not me. You're not outlaying thousands and thousands of dollars to realize that you made a mistake. I mean, I, this is not my first, my first profession either. I mean, I'm, I've been all over the place. I'm a little older, I think, than most of you here. I got, I got many more gray hairs than most of you here. Uh, so, but I, so I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of different things and, and the same thing happened to me. I went, I went to Dowling college, may, may rest its soul, uh, went to Dowling college for one thing and halfway through had to change and went something else. And I, I dumped a lot of money into it. So, uh, to change, but now we have that opportunity to go online and really, you know, dig ourselves deep into the, into the subject matter and say, okay, is this what we want to do? It is. Okay, great. I'm going to do it. And maybe at that point I would invest some money, but before that I, I have the opportunity to you know, like fool around with it and see if that's what I really want to do. So yeah, I think folks really need to take advantage of everything that's out there. Absolutely. Uh, so Steven, when you are meeting with some of these high school students and they want to learn how to make the next big iPhone app, instead of going and browsing through millions of YouTube videos to try to find exactly what they're looking for, um, send them to the Miller Business Center or I'm sure Patrick Medford Library subscribes to Linda or send them the Savo Library and go on lynda.com and they will have a whole course that you can take for free on developing the next hit uh, iPhone app. And uh, I think they'll, they'll get hooked like I did. No, that's great. That's a great resource. I didn't even know that existed. And I'm sure there's a lot of people like me who, who don't. Uh, and I'm sure, Sal, you can attest to like, that's very daunting when you've been in a career for 25 years and then you, um, you got to pivot and learn new things. That's like staying on top of the newest trends or the newest techniques or the newest technology. It's impossible. I, I can't do it. I, it's, it's, 
it's really difficult. So something like that is pretty incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. And even for librarians, like wanting to just develop new skill sets too. Like once when we initially closed, I was working as a children's librarian and we had to, you know, pivot to virtual programming and we were pre-recording and I used uh, like I learned, I use that site to learn more about video editing and things like that with iMovie. And I was able to make like high quality videos at home with my iPhone and maybe like my fiance's iPhone for like a second angle. But um, I was able to edit and record everything with like high quality by just learning how to utilize the software to its fullest potential. Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback off of that as well that um, I know many libraries also subscribe to Udemy. Um, I don't know if um, Saville, um, Middle Country or Sachem do, but um, similar to Morgan in uh, the pandemic, we're all like, we were all kind of forced to be at home more. And um, something that I had started on my own personal journey was getting my um, Reiki certification. Um, I have been through different courses and classes and some of them, obviously, if you take a uh, in-person Reiki certification can come up for 500 to $1,000. I was able to um, take my level one certification through an accredited course on Udemy. Um, I then continued on and paid and got my level two certification, but I was able to start and get my feet wet. I got this new skill during the pandemic as um, now I'm doing virtual sessions at a couple of clients I see in person, but I have talked about this at length and we know the biggest thing as librarians is like getting people to use this stuff that um, we have and getting the word out about it. So having, um, you know, these connections and stuff like that, that, you know, just bringing more awareness to students and young people like you can get, you know, actual certifications, quality skill sets through these things um, at really no cost through your public library and be able to build your resume. If you're not sure what career path you wanna go on, start taking a class, like see if like, oh no, I don't think that app building is for me or like nutrition certifications. I'm also um, a fitness competitor and interested in maybe being an online fitness coach. I was able to take um, one part of my certification through Udemy. I, um, if I want to go further, I need some other certification classes, but the ability to get your feet wet and to get an actual accreditation in something is a great way to build your resume for free if you're dabbling in that unknown area. I think too, like if you know, you're an employer looking at someone's resume and this person's been furloughed or just out of work for the past year it's like what have you been doing if you don't have anything you know listed or you know like that any sort of skill or class or anything it's kind of like what were you doing and all these things are available to you um so yeah i really don't have an excuse to kind of do something you know yeah that's a good point i one thing that linda offers as well linda was recently purchased by linkedin so if you complete a course on Linda, you will get a certification that will appear on your LinkedIn profile. So, uh, I mean, it's not the equivalent of getting like a bachelor's degree in coding, but if you have, you know, a certification from this company that's essentially LinkedIn saying you are like, here's a stamp of approval. This person completed a 20 hour course on this coding language. They're proficient in this. It's, you know, it gives you a little more weight to your resume than, you know, saying in your, you know, skill set, just one bullet point that's saying, you know, this coding. So 
uh, I just wanted to mention that as well. Going back to new adults, you know, if you're looking to start a career for the first time, um, there's the old, you know, catch 22 entry level job with three to five years experience required. Um, you know, that's, you can kind of get a little wiggle room there if you can prove that you have those skills with say a Linda training or something. So that's just, uh, you know, one way of maybe getting your foot in the door too. Um, but, um, just speaking of you know entry level jobs, um, I'm just wondering if Sal or Michelle or Stephen, um, if you have any resources or anything you can share uh, with people in their 20s and 30s who are looking to start a career for the first time and maybe are looking at all of these entry level jobs that say you know three to five years experience. Do you have any advice for you know, landing those jobs? Maybe is an internship the way to go? beforehand, where do you go to get an internship? Um, any, any advice in regards to those patrons? Um, I will kind of piggyback off of a little bit what um, Steven said, you know, it's hard to get in and get your feet wet, but I think um, maybe trying to make a connection, um, reaching out on um, even social media, finding um, an opportunity with someone that you want to maybe intern with or connect with um, and be creative and be bold, like offer um, a skill, show someone that you have interest in their company, um, trying to make that networking connection. Um, Cause I know how it is too. Like you see three to five years experience. How do you get that experience? Um, and I know it's hard when, especially if you're in debt to work for free, but I think it's trying to get your foot in the door a little bit and show as much as you can offer. Um, but it is kind of a tricky spot to be in for sure. And just to jump off of what Michelle said, like networking is huge. And I think showing interest and in trying to build a relationship with a company or someone in the company that you're trying to work for is huge. Like um, I moved to Atlanta and worked for a library system for down there for two years. And the only reason I got that job was because I've well, my fiance was living there. So I flew down there to visit him and I went into one of the buildings and just spoke to a children's librarian and was just asking them and having a conversation. And I mentioned that I was thinking about moving and would be interested if they had any openings. And it just worked out that uh, six months later I got an email saying that they would at least give me an interview. And, uh, and then I ended up you know, getting the job and I beat out, I was from out of state, I beat out people that live there and knew the community. And I think part of it was because I went there and like networked and build like it was small, you know, but I made an impression because many people will just like apply online or things like that. And some, and I know like sometimes I feel like people that walk into businesses are just like, oh, just they're told just, just apply online and things like that. But I think it's still worth doing and networking. Yep. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's been a little while since I was going after getting a job, but when I wanted to become a librarian, I was lucky to have an internship before um, I was applying for jobs. It was my last semester, but I boldly went in person to the Longwood Public Library and I met with uh, Jennifer Bollerman, um, Andrew's um, 
sister, sister-in-law, yes. Um, and she was the head of the adult department there. And she was very impressed that I wanted to drop off a resume in person. And because I had skills in customer service and was a previous bartender, she thought that let's give this girl a chance. I knew really nothing about being a librarian, but I kind of had some of the other skills that she thought could work out. And being bold, I beat out other people for this job that had oh. way more experience than me that maybe would have looked like you know a better candidate for the job they offered me an interview and then offered me a job and that's kind of how i got my foot in the door and i did the same thing we all do when we start off i worked at uh the sachem public library for a while the longwood public library and patchog at one point i worked at all three at the same time um and just kind of being willing to see where opportunity lands you. Um, if there is an interest too, I encourage people to try and get a second part-time job. Um, if there's something that they're not happy with in their full-time job, like maybe try and get a second freelance part-time job. See if there is opportunity and interest somewhere else. You know, I think a lot of times we get pigeonholed to wanting to put all of our eggs into one basket and to not be afraid of different environments and opportunities. There's also a, a lot of, um, business organizations that you can get involved in, like Hop Hog Industrial Association, uh, LIASB, Long Island so uh, Advancement of Small Business, um, that uh, if you go to those meetings, a lot of times you can just, they have like round robins, you stand up, you say, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a job, an internship, I'm looking for something. You'd be surprised how many connections you can make just going to one of those meetings, those lunch meetings. So I highly recommend, and, and I think Stephen mentioned involved with the local chamber of commerce there uh definitely get involved with your local chamber of commerce i've seen jobs offered live in person <laughs> at each chamber meeting and uh and they've turned you know turned out really well so definitely the networking aspect as i want to reiterate that and definitely person to person i know we can't do that as much now in the pandemic world but that person to person thing you know like uh, LinkedIn's great, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, but being in person and, and actually showing up, it does definitely mean a lot. So aside from job fairs, what other, what other opportunities are there out there to make those one-on-one -on -one connections with employers? I mean, uh, you know, Michelle, you walked right into a library and hit it off your resume. That's great. And I'm glad it worked for you, but um, where, where other, I mean, other than going directly to a business or a job fair, are there any other places where people can make those connections? I think what we talked about a little bit, um, maybe it's um, their social media, you know, start following them, reaching out, sharing their content. It depends on the field that they're getting into. I mean, not every place has social media if it's more of a corporate job, but um, that's also like kind of a opportunity that maybe could happen. Um, it, it is definitely difficult, especially in this you know, pandemic world of not being able to have as much like physical one-on-one -on -one, um, and it's harder to get noticed. And yeah, like it doesn't usually work out that you walk into a place, show your resume and they were like, oh, well, let's give this girl an interview. I know that that is not the um, way that things work most of the time. Yeah. And one thing that came up in the, uh, my online job uh, searching program I ran was um, a lot of not older workers, but out of 20s and 30s, right? Not new adult workers, adult workers, we'll say, uh, were discouraged by just how the job seeking 
environment has changed so much from when they started their careers. Now they see, you know, there's a thousand job searching websites that you have to be on. You have to put your resume out to a hundred, you know, apply to a hundred jobs before you get one call back. And even that might be a good ratio. Um, so I'm just wondering if you had any advice for um, workers who maybe haven't, aren't familiar with, you know, how everything's changed so much since, you know, back in the day when you could just drop off your resume in person. So um, if you, if you I open this up to the whole floor, if anyone has any advice for those workers. I, I, I'd like to add on to what Michelle was saying. Social media is so powerful. And if you look at yourself as your own little business, you, you can brand your social media to be an expert in whatever career field you're looking to go into. And I've heard of many, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Valuetainment before. It's, uh, it's on YouTube. It's an incredible, incredible source of information for entrepreneurs. And you, he, the guy was talking about all these creative people who, if you're a logo designer or an artist or a videographer or photographer, why don't you take some time create some really great work and send it out to the people you're looking to hire you for free. And I know a couple of people who just, who did that. They took, they looked at a business, redesigned their logo brilliantly for free, sent it to the company and the company looked at it on social media and said, Holy crap, this is brilliant. We have to hire this guy. So social media is a really great way to brand yourself and, and, uh, and I think it's the best opportunity for somebody to stand out because I, out of job applications, how many people are really taking their social media seriously? And if you're, if you're an accountant or if you're an attorney and brand your social media to be an accountant, an attorney, don't brand your social media as you're going out getting hammered on the weekends. If you're looking for jobs, if you're in a career and you don't need to worry about that, then great. But if you're looking for jobs, brand yourself as a, as a business would brand themselves. And um, that's advice I would have. Yeah, I think that is great. I just wanna even piggyback off of that, what Steven said, like exactly brand yourself as that person. Like I had used Instagram on my own personal um, fitness journey um, to really post more fitness content. And I now work as a brand ambassador for a certain company, they are flying me out um, for an opportunity to work for them in March for a weekend, paying me a per diem uh, rate. Like it's not like a career field, but if you're looking to maybe get your foot in the door in certain things, you know, brand yourself as that way. It really just started with me liking their content, using their products, sharing stuff. They liked what I was doing. They um, offered me as an athlete competitor to be a part of their company. I saw what the opportunity was. We signed a contract. It's not a full-time lucrative salary, but kind of catering, you know, you have to brand yourself. Like in this day and age, you are your own marketing piece. And, you know, they kind of picked up on some of what I was doing. And now it's created an opportunity for me to go and get paid and make some money. And it's kind of also doing what I love. So, uh, We'll piggyback off of what's said for sure. I'll kind of add to that too. Like I um, have, I'm a musician, so I've been in bands and sort of part of that sort of DIY kind of music community. 
and had a lot of friends in that. And that has its own network in it. But like one of my good friends runs a record label and book shows and stuff. And I have an art background, so I would make flyers for him for shows and events and stuff. But and I never charge him for anything. Um, but now because of that, I do have sort of like a portfolio of stuff that I've created. So it kind of worked out for both. So like if I did want to do push that more, I have work that I can use, you know, in that. Yeah. And one more thing. Uh, I just hired a full time videographer for my own social media. And I know a lot of videographers and filmmakers who I love and adore. They're close personal friends of mine. But uh, I hired this guy because of what he was just doing on his social media. He was just constantly uh, uh, posting great, great uh, content. He would just walk down the block, take a photo of something, and it would be an awesome photo. And uh, I reached out to him. I was like, I see you can make something out of absolutely nothing. So now I hired him to follow me around on appointments. And this guy just is in the background and makes great content literally out of nothing. So it was how he presented himself on social media, which ended up getting him a, a, a good paying opportunity for me. Yeah, that's great. I mean, branding, social media, even I don't think it was even talked about when I started, when I got out of college and I was looking for jobs. So that's a good point. I'm glad you, you brought that up. But I'm just thinking about, um, you know, people who are job seeking who aren't in a creative field. You know, maybe you're not a videographer or a photographer or a graphic designer. Um, I guess your portfolio is your resume or your cover letter. So are there any, uh, Sal, maybe this might be a question for you. Are there any resources or at the Miller Business Center where individuals like that can go and kind of, um, you know, polish up their resume or make that, that their portfolio in that sense kind of shine, stand out? Or, or is there a social media aspect where you can start branding yourself to be, you know, the best, I don't know, financial person? I don't know. Please just throwing it out there. You know, most of our um, patrons when it's polishing up the resume, it's that one-on-one -on -one aspect that we offer uh, with a career counselor. So they'll come down and the career counselor will go over, you know, how to, how to increase that. I'm not certain if there's anything uh, that we have in terms of a database um, to offer that to, you know, in that creative side of things. But I think that, um, from, from my experience hearing the feedback from our patrons that that personal touch of talking to somebody is probably the best start. Uh, I, I should say, if, um, if your patron is looking for some feedback on their resume or cover letter, there are a lot of resources out there. Um, obviously, you can come into the library and check out a book on uh, resume writing, cover letter writing, but uh, the Career One Stop is a fantastic website. Um, you could, I, I know Save the Library has it linked on, like, on various pages on our website because it's so powerful. I'm sure the Miller Business Center has it as well. But the Career One Stop has live one-on-one -on -one tutors where you can upload your resume, like a Word document or a PDF. They'll read it, go through it, suggest edits, and send it back to you. Or you can chat with them live, all right there on the, on the internet. You're, you know, it's not a it's a virtual one-on-one, -on -one, but you know, it's the next best thing to going into the Miller Business Center and speaking with somebody face-to-face. -face. So that's another great resource. Um, they also have interview coaching as well. So they have advice there. So if you do land that 
interview and you, you know, you're a little rusty or you, you want to uh, just get yourself prepared for those, you know, curveball questions. There's some good advice there as well. So uh, I just wanted to throw the career one stop out there. It's a great resource that I recommend often to patrons. And here at Sachem, we do have a in-person like uh, career counselor that you can sit down, make an appointment with and sit down with. Um, I think it's Zoom by right now, but um, that you can sit down and build your resume and stuff like that um, with someone one-on-one. Um, so I guess jumping off of that, like are there things that you would think libraries should be doing more of to offer these, our patrons? in business and sort of employment um, that you're not seeing happen already, or you're seeing little of that it should be kind of spread out more. I think there's a, I think there's a good, a good collection of resources out there right now. Um, You know, some libraries on the Island are doing more than others. Um, I think geographically, I think patrons have the opportunity to visit those places and get the information that they need. Um, I, I, I think it's challenging for for libraries like they their libraries are not going to have they're not going to be able to have a career counselor on on staff you know like we do for example um that being said i will tell you that there are many counselors out there who are um for lack of a better term freelancing that are available to do programming uh to come to your library and and do that for you as well as organizations like um um, uh, LA was a LA, the Harry Chapin organization was a LA cares. So has anybody used them, uh, their, uh, their services, they'll come down and they'll do job and employment programs as well, um, for free. So I think, I think it's, it, it, it's important for if, if you're a library and you don't have those services, to go out there and find them because they're all there. They're all available um, uh, to bring in house. And in many cases, they will be at no charge and it's a benefit to you. It's a benefit to your patrons. But um, yeah, I think, I think in general, I think, I think Long Island does a pretty good job at, at offering, offering those services, you know, Patrick Medford offers great services for, you know, for like, they were like one of the first to do the test books you know, the civil service test books to offer them island wide. And I think everybody kind of followed suit with that as well. Um, so we have those little markers, those little push pins on the map. Um, but if you don't, if you are a library who wants to reach out to your patrons and offer those services, they're out there. You just have to look. Sal, do you guys offer um, like helping people with patents too? I couldn't remember if the Miller Business Center did that. We we don't. We we send everyone to Smithtown. Smithtown uh, Library. Uh, Wolf Dallas is over there. They're an official uh, patent center, like a patent assistance center. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're interested in that, uh, definitely uh, contact them. We've had them come over and do presentations for us in house. Um, but they're like the go-to, the go-to there. So oh, it's good to know. Yeah. I was wondering about that. I was like, uh, I, I couldn't remember if it was Smithtown or if it was the Miller business center that did that, but that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. They're fan. Let me tell you, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Will is still over there. Um, doing it, but it's just, it's, it's the, the stories that he could tell about, about how cool it is 
to do the search and to help with the with the filing and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really great what they do over there. Definitely take advantage of that if you're interested. Do you guys subscribe to anything for grants too? Yes, we have um, we have uh, something called GrantStation and then we have some foundation, foundation web, foundation directory. Um, yeah, we have a we have a nice nice round collection of, of databases. Some you'd have to come down to the library to access, like foundation directory. We're not allowed to have offsite remote access. Um, they only want like one person at a time uh, to do that. So you'd have to come down in in the building. But once you're in the building, you know, and we have we have folks who come. They bring their little USB drives. They plug it in, and you see them sitting there, and they're just downloading. Because what's good about that is that there's a lot of email addresses there. That's like the you know that's like the golden the golden ticket is to get an email address for a business, <laughs> like an internal email address. Uh, so foundation directory is one of those that you can actually get email addresses for, you know, contacts at those places that are giving out money. Yeah. And I feel like those are really good, like resources for uh, like people that are entrepreneurs or wanting to start their own business idea and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have um, another one is a, we have a, a venture capital database, so that's really ex another exciting one where you can go and see venture capitalists giving away money, um, which is like that. There's there's two the two major questions we have from from entrepreneurs coming in here is one where can I get money to start my business, <laughs> you know where's their money being get you know, and uh, and two where can I find potential customers and 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 that we do that's like our lack of a better term the bread and butter here is folks coming to to download marketing lists from like reference USA or emergent intellect, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like you can come in and you can say, okay, I'm looking for, you know, insurance companies that make over $5 million a year in these zip codes. And then you just get just that, you know, list of thousands of what hundreds of people. So they come in, they do that all the time. Oh, that's awesome. And a question for Steven, when you were doing uh, you said you're like self, you've been self-employed. How did that was it like Rocky start or? Uh, so uh, when I mentioned earlier, I was supposed to go to NYU Polytech for mechanical engineering. And then three weeks before I was supposed to go, I found out I could not get the loan because uh, me or none of my family members qualified. We didn't come from a well-off place. And uh, so I, I ended up taking the year off and deciding, you know what, I'm just going to work, 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 work. And then the following year, I'll be able to qualify on my own to go to this school. And during that year, I was working 80 hours a week doing two full-time jobs and just working my fingers to the bone and self-educating as well. That was the most, that was the biggest turnaround for me, the self-education point. But um, after doing all that work, just some guy who would used to, I used to work overnights at a gym. He was like, Steve, I see you're a hard worker and I can put my name behind you. I got a buddy who's looking for some help doing foreclosure inspections uh, for banks. He said, you can make a lot more money than you're making right now and make your own hours and things like that. That was just, you know, part luck, part, Hey, somebody was watching me and was impressed by it. And uh, I went, started doing that job I, I i would make three dollars for every single house that i inspected what i would basically do is i had to go around to these vacant foreclosed homes and make sure there were no squatters in them 
or report if they were occupied. And for every inspection, I would get $3. And within the first year, I was the third inspector in the entire company. I was doing 100 houses a day at 18, 19 years old. I was just hustling, hustling, hustling. And, um, and it was great. I was, there was no ceiling really in a way and uh, started my own S corporation and kept going through that. And then eventually I said, you know what, I want to make more money on my time invested and have an even higher capacity. So I got into real estate full time and that uh, that's changed my life. That's, that's been incredible. That's awesome. You maybe as someone self-employed, and that doesn't have like the structure of sort of like another business or anything like a institution behind it. Like, do you have uh, skills or tips or anything for people who else are trying to like go into the self-employed you know, realm? It's absolutely remarkable. My biggest tip, what I would advise someone the most is stay out of debt. That's it. Um, when you're in debt and you have high monthly obligations, the decisions that it ties your hands up and you can't make decisions the same way as, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta build your business almost differently. You're more focused on the cash flow than you are the quality of your business. Because if you have to grow, you have to spike up and it doesn't matter if there's quality behind that. But if you have no debt and you can grow it properly and focus on building a brand later in the long term, you will end up making far more money on your time than your time is worth. And so you can scale like this in that perspective. And once you're here, it's exponentially higher than, than the way you might've built your business if you're swallowed up in debt. So staying out of debt will give you the freedom to make decisions in your business for the long haul that will make a better quality business and every year gets better and better and better when you're able to make those kinds of decisions in your business. So stay out of debt. That's what I recommend the most to anybody starting their own venture. Speaking of debt, Sal, um, have you noticed, you know, with COVID and all the closings and everything that's been going on, have you been having uh, business owners or entrepreneurs coming in who, whose businesses have been impacted by COVID, uh, coming to you to try to find uh, whether you know loans from New York or federal loans to help you know stabilize their businesses during this time. Um, do you have any advice or resources that you can share with us? Uh, frankly, not not as much as we were expecting. I mean, anecdotally, we would hear about folks having trouble, you know, getting the. Um, the payroll protection loans and one of our patrons had to, you know, put themselves on, you know, had to do a handstand and walk around the room and do like jump through hoops. It was terrible. The, the stories we heard of, of folks trying to, trying to do that. Um, what I will say is that a lot of the entrepreneurs that we deal with are home-based businesses to begin with and their services that they were able to provide pretty much kept going. So we had a lot of lucky business owners with us. And a lot of what we do, I don't want to say all that we do, but a lot of what we do, we can do remotely. So we kind of just, you know, when we all got the word, you know, hey, listen, I don't know when we're coming back, but 
you know, go upstairs, get your stuff <laughs> and we'll, we'll let you know if you're going to come back to the building. And then, you know, four months went by or whatever it was. Um, we just flipped a switch and we started doing what we do here at home. So, you know, our local chamber really, really took the reins on that and started reaching out to all the local businesses. And we partnered with them to make sure that they knew that we were still working and still able to get folks, you know, marketing lists and, you know, access wasn't, uh, uh, you know, wasn't lost. So we definitely saw an uptick in database use, of course. Um, we definitely saw an uptick in folks wanting to make sure their library cards were, you know, the business owners, their library cards and their memberships were active. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I don't want to say we fared well. I don't want to say that, but I, I, I do want to say that um, as, as, you know, we're surviving, you know, our business or small business owners are surviving. Uh, the, the big hits obviously were the, the restaurant owners um, where folks could just not go in and sit down and have a meal. Um, so, you know, we, we had, we heard some, some sad stories about that. Uh, but our, I, we have a good group of, of local businesses that we deal with on a regular basis and they all, they're, they're, they're pushing it. You know, when, when you're, when you're brought up when you have an adversity and a challenge like that, I, I, I have to say, um, they really, they took to it and they said, all right, well, if we got to do it this way, we're going to do it this way. So let's, let's, let's hit those, those databases. Let's see if we can, uh, drum up some business by, uh, you know, making telephone calls and, you know sending out postcards. There's been one kind of theme that's been going throughout the whole recording here is um, partnerships between libraries and the chamber. Uh, I've seen come up a few times. Um, Michelle, maybe you can speak to this. I know Stephen, you could probably speak to this too. I'm just wondering, you know, maybe using the Patchog as a model, what can some other libraries do? You know, how can, how can they partner with their local chamber of commerces to kind of create some of these opportunities for um, for people who want to start a business, people who are looking to uh, to be hired. Um, is there any low hanging fruit that libraries can just start doing tomorrow, um, or are there any kind of partnerships that we should be starting to foster today so in the future they can kind of blossom into something? Uh, let's just kind of open that up to the floor. Yeah, I would um, like to speak to that because I think Patchog is really a great model of being extremely involved with our Chamber of Commerce. We are very lucky though that our location is on Main Street. We are there with the local businesses. We have done some incredibly creative partnerships. Um, we actually did a haunted history tour at a Blue Point Brewery where we were able to offer beer and history. So we have used opportunity to really foster a lot of connections and we get involved with um the street fairs we are part of the alive after five committee at the library we offer events and programming we are very much in a unique spot at patron but my advice to other libraries would be to see what kind of programming and events the chamber is doing are they having a holiday parade we are always involved in the holiday parade we create a float we do certain things we are always involved in whatever local activity is happening. Usually they are happy to have the library participate, to provide some family-friendly content, to be a part of that. And getting involved in these smaller 
events and things lead just to bigger connections. Now they're more likely to share and talk about our resources. We have um, a really active restaurant committee that's a part of our Chamber of Commerce. Um, our library director um, has a seat on our chamber through the young professionals. I'm involved with things at the chamber. So I think seeing if there's other segmenting things, if there's networking events you can go to at a library if you're not involved yet to get your library relevant in what's happening in your town. And now they wind up reaching to us. If there's something happening, they want us to be involved because now that they've seen the, you know, the library is organized, they want to be involved, they want to do stuff. So now we're just a lot more on their radar and relevant. As somebody who doesn't work in a library and who actually ended, I, I was the one who reached out to Michelle regarding Patch Young Professionals. And from an outsider's perspective, they are so available to help us and provide information and resource that it's that is just unbelievable so anytime i need something or need help or need to bounce an idea off or need a creative partner to just do something with michelle is always available and always offering up the library's resources and between her and i we have been able to come up with just incredible things for our local community as a result and it's really just been her being so available and her resources being so available. I know not everybody is as fortunate to be right in the middle of one of the most active chamber of commerces there is. So um, it's tough to speak, not knowing what it is to not have an active chamber of commerce, but I will know that just there, she's always offering and she's always willing to help. And that's been something that continues to bring me back to her to just all right let's do something let's do something let's make things happen and she without michelle there's no patch our young professionals none of this stuff exists and her availability and her resources so that's just from an outsider's perspective i just want to add too to being involved with the chamber like satrum we've done a lot of work the past couple of years going to community events and working with this it's a huge district so there are different chambers involved but um, being that we were going to a lot of different events and doing school things and all this stuff, we we're able to offer you know our resources, but even just the space too. We've been able to help a lot of organizations, you know, them with that. Like they have a big you know town hall. They don't have a, the room for it anywhere. You know, they can come use our community rooms, and it's been a nice partnership um, for the past few years pre-COVID when we could meet in person. But um, definitely a good thing to build, you know, in the meantime. Yeah, same here at Sable. I know our director, Jen, is on the chamber uh, committee, so we play a pretty active role in the town. Uh, but I'm looking forward to starting to build like a stronger relationship with them. But as of right now, you know, pre-COVID, we were pretty heavily involved in a lot of community events in town. And uh, our community outreach librarian, Jonathan, did host like a local business and organization like table fair so like the people weren't here but they came and set up their tables and then patrons that came in uh, this is during covid could like browse the organizations and um and check them out and stuff like that and give them more exposure really quick before you go how can people reach out to uh, young patrick young professionals you can find us on instagram on facebook at patchog young professionals um, or you can reach out to me or Michelle. My cell phone number is 631-624-1159. I don't know Michelle's off the top of my head, but I'm sure she does.
So thanks a lot, guys. Thank you for coming. Got it. We also have um, a website too. It's um, just patchworkyoungprofessionals.com where you can um, see our team. Um, when we were doing a lot more events, our events are there. And uh, also some videos of uh, past things that uh, we have done. So uh, it's also another way to check out some more of the stuff if anyone's looking to model what um, some of the things that we've done are. Again, uh, I am Alex with the New Adult Committee. I wanna thank Sal. I wanna thank Michelle for joining us today. I wanna to thank Steven from the Young Professionals for joining us. Um, this has been a really um, enlightening discussion. I think we've got a lot of great resources here for other libraries to share with their patrons or new adults in their 20s and 30s who are in, the, uh, in, their, career, in their career searching process. I think they can learn a lot here from this discussion as well. So again, thank you everybody for joining. Thanks so much for having us. I would just like to second that. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about what we have going on at the Patrick Medford Library and with the Patrick Young Professionals. So thank you guys for reaching out. Yeah, thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming, guys. If you want to get in contact with the New Adult Committee, um, reach out to Morgan. That's morgan at savelibrary.org. And you can join our, our Slack channel where we keep the discussion going in between episodes or you can reach out to us uh, directly through any of our emails that we'll post in the, uh, in the podcast description. Bye guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. Stay safe, everybody.